The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's man-to-man coverage. This is the PFT PM Podcast. And now, your host, Mike Florio. Tuesday edition of the PFT PM Podcast. What do you say? Kind of a slow day. We're still caught in that donut hole between the biggest thrust of free agency and the start of the draft, three weeks and two days away. But I still have enough for a quick five-down territory plus some of your questions to answer. And I want to begin with the ongoing Rob Gronkowski rumors, discussions, reports, and fake reports. And I want to be very clear on how we do things at ProFootballTalk.com. We're an open book. We do things the same way we've always done them. We aggregate and try to analyze reports that appear on media outlets that we find to be trustworthy and credible and We do try to break news. And on top of that, we will add our own spin on things that already may be out there. Developments that we know about. Trying to make sense of things. Trying to peel the onion and or spin the ball forward and or help you better understand the NFL, the businesses, the NFL, or anything related to the NFL. But the aggregation side of it, it is a very simple proposition. Newspapers, national media outlets, radio stations, publications that we believe or, I don't know, maybe shouldn't believe, are trafficking in information that we think would be useful to the audience. We we write things about it. And today I finished PFT Live going about my business, scrolling through Twitter, and I saw that there were some websites that were picking up a report from WEEI in Boston, the leading sports talk station in Boston, an NBC sports radio affiliate. Ken Laird, senior producer of the Kirk and Callahan show, reporting that Rob Gronkowski will be traded at some point in the next few weeks. Looked at the tweet. Tweet was what it was, tweeted by the Kirk and Callahan show page. We have a good relationship with them if they're saying it and others are picking it up. I mean, it wasn't anything earth-shattering. There's already a belief that something may be happening. So we gave them the benefit of the doubt. And that was my first mistake of the day. Now, I have to give Chris Curtis some credit for calling me up and telling me it was a joke. Because I otherwise wouldn't have known. Apparently, they have a bit on the show... Now, if you don't listen to the show, and I don't because I got my own show, but if you listen to the show, apparently this is part of the bit. They will joke around on the show about different things that are regarded as 
breaking news, and I guess in most cases the joke is obvious. Each individual tweet, however, if you look at it without the benefit of the context of the other tweets around it, individually you may have one that looks plausible. This one looked plausible. This one carried no obvious joke to it. There was no punchline. There was no reason to view it as a joke, and others were picking it up. So things move fast when you're trying to post a comprehensive snapshot of what's happening in the NFL, and I make no apologies for trusting an outlet that I previously had no reason to believe was not trustworthy. Now, moving forward, I'm never going to rely on anything that WEEI posts as accurate, and I don't care whether they call me separately and say, no, this time it really isn't a joke. I don't care what it is. I'm not going to rely upon it at least without the caveat, oh, by the way, these are the people who think it's funny to just pretend that something that's true or that's false is true or that's true is false, whatever the hell it is. You know, they know who we mean. You get my point. So I was pissed off because what happens is when someone else steps in shit and I end up passing it along on my website, it's on my shoe and I have to scrape it off. And I'm a big boy, I can take it. But I get upset when people are abusing the platform to put out deliberately false information. And that is dramatically different. Because I get blowback from people who should know better, like some guy from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I think it's Jeff Schultz. Oh, you you ripped Ron Borges for doing the same thing. No, Ron Borges got duped by someone who texted him and pretended to be someone that that person wasn't, and it was obvious that he shouldn't have relied upon it, lied about having multiple sources when he had one source that was sketchy and dubious, especially because he was being texted by a Boston area code pretending to be a guy who lives in L.A. and went with it in the rush to be first. He was trying to be first to break a story. We were trying to share with the audience a story that somebody else had already broken. And doing a courtesy to WEEI in the process. Hey, we're friends with them. We get along with them. They're breaking something. We're putting it out there on their behalf. Well, nope, no more. That's the difference. When a media outlet reports something and you repeat it, That's far different from being duped privately by a source. And I can understand a lot of fans don't get the distinction, but people in the business should understand the distinction between having someone pretend to be a source and lie to you, and you pretend you have multiple sources when you have one source and you go with it, and anyone with half a brain should know that this is a lie, versus a media outlet that is purporting to report something, and it's a media outlet that you have a good relationship with, and It's not an implausible report. It's not some over-the-top, goofy April Fool's Day thing, and it's not even goddamn April Fool's Day. So anyway, I was upset about it, as you may be able to tell. But come on, people, let's be smart here. And the problem from my perspective, you got the chocolates rolling down the assembly line. To use a very timely reference, you got chocolates that are just pouring, cascading down the assembly line, and there's only so many of them I can pack into the box or otherwise shove it in my mouth. And when it's a story that people are paying attention to, when it's a media outlet that's in the heart of the city where the story is emerging 
and it's not an implausible report and it's not obviously a joke, yeah, people are going to repeat it. And this one reminds me of when Mike Wise, who was with the Washington Post, engaged in, I think he called it a sociological experiment. He deliberately tweeted false information about Ben Roethlisberger, who at the time was facing a suspension or he had been suspended and Mike Wise tweeted that it had been reduced, whatever it was. He deliberately tweeted something false as somebody who at the time was working for the Washington Post. He got suspended for that. He wanted to see if people would repeat it. Well, of course they would because they trust you because you work for a publication that is reporting something that people are in the business of trusting and repeating to provide the information to their audiences. That's how it works. And credible publications want that. So when you put bullshit out there and people repeat it, oh, they were just having some fun. Get the hell out of here with that nonsense. We're just having fun. It's just a joke. It's a bit. It's a bit. You need a better bit if that's a bit. Because the people who are coming across this stuff on Twitter, they're not listening to your show. They don't realize it's a bit. The tweets exist independently. I tried to explain that to Chris Curtis. I was less tactful than I'm being right now. He said, well, you got to understand, there's just a bit. You need a better bit. They invited me on the show tomorrow. I'm not going on the show. So I can yell at them and they can yell at me and then I can hang up and they can make fun of me and think I'm not listening or say whatever they want to say without me. And they go ahead and say whatever you want to say about me. Go ahead, make fun of me. I don't care. I'm not going to be part of it. I mean, I've worked too hard over the last 17 years to try to service the audience. And when people put bullshit out there intentionally, you're on the list, buddy. And I ain't lightening up, Francis. Sorry, Sergeant Holka. It ain't happening. All right, second down. I'm okay. I'm not. I'm, look, I feel better now. This is very cathartic for me. This is very therapeutic for me. But the bottom line is this. And people need to understand the difference. Being duped by somebody who reaches out to you and pretends to be someone who they aren't. And lying about having multiple sources when you have one and applying no common sense. And the person is speaking in terms that just aren't commonly used in the industry. And you run with that. That's ridiculous. But when you trust a media outlet that you had a good relationship with, then that's different. But hey, shame on me. I'll never trust anything WEEI ever says again. Congratulations. Great joke. You have lost all credibility with me. Good job. What a great Tuesday. All right, now I'm done. Jim Moore, at least I think it was Jim Moore, was on Dan Patrick's show today talking about Josh Rosen. And Moore is trying to put the toothpaste back in the tube regarding some criticism that he had of Rosen and Mora's position is, and I like Jim. Jim's a great guy. Jim is a fun guy to interview. Jim is a candid guy, thoughtful. I always learn something I didn't already know when I interviewed Jim Moore. But here's the rule of thumb that we need to keep in mind when we're talking about the pre-draft process. We expect a guy's coach to be so over the top in his praise of the player that we just roll our eyes. You expect that. You're not going to get a candid, objective assessment of the guy's coach because the guy's coach is supposed to say good things about him. The guy's coach is supposed to talk about the recruit like his parent or agent would. And when the coach doesn't, then people say, whoa, what the hell is up with this? Whoa, what is that? Really? 
Hmm. That's strange. Sam Darnold, the quarterback of his arch-rival USC Trojans, is a better fit for the Browns than UCLA's Josh Rosen, coming from his former coach. Now, the fact that Jim Mora isn't the coach there anymore, I guess, tempers that a little bit. I think Mora was trying to help Rosen, maybe trying to steer the Browns away from him. The problem is some of the things that Mora had to say may steer others away from Rosen. So Mora was over the top today and acted like what he said in the past wasn't anything other than ridiculously complimentary to the point where we accept that kind of complimentary comment from a former head coach. Rule of thumb for any of the other head coaches out there, whether you've been fired or not, you can't win by saying anything other than great stuff about your former players. And if it's anything other than positive, over-the-top glowing, people are going to interpret as negative. That's one of the things I've been trying to teach my son. I asked my son if he wants to do something. He gives me a maybe. I said, look, this is one of those situations where anything other than yes is a no. So either yes, you want to do this, or no, you don't. But don't give me maybe in this context. Give me yes or no. Anything other than yes is interpreted as no. So Mora gave Rosen a maybe publicly. Anything other than absolutely positively hell freaking yes is no. And that's why Mora got himself into this mess. Now, joke's on us. We've been talking about Jim Mora the past few days. Jim Mora couldn't get anybody to talk about him at all until he said what he said last week. And I think Mora should be back in the NFL if he wants to be in the NFL. Not necessarily as a head coach, but as a defensive coordinator. The guy's had some success. The guy's had some success in the NFL. And he did okay at UCLA. Third down. Broncos working out the aforementioned Sam Darnold. Maybe not working out Josh Rosen. (laughs) Maybe they think that that Sam Darnold is a better fit than Josh Rosen. Now, you see that and you think, well, maybe the Broncos are going to take a quarterback at number five. And that was the clear takeaway from the decision to sign Case Keenum to a two-year deal. They're still in play for a quarterback at number five, or they could trade up. But keep this in mind, they also could trade down. And what did I say? The first hint of the Giants doing the full workup on quarterbacks at number two. It doesn't mean they're taking a quarterback. If you trade down, you can't have the intelligent conversation with the trade partner about value if you haven't done your homework. You need to know what the guy is worth. You need to know who the guy is. You need to know what a fair price is. Because at that point, you are not trading for the spot. You are trading for a guy. So if Darnold's still there at five, if Rosen's still there at five, if Josh Allen's still there at five, if Baker Mayfield's still there at five, the Broncos need to know what they need to ask for him if somebody wants to trade up. Or maybe the Broncos take him. Maybe the Broncos trade up. What's fascinating about this year to me is that there still is no consensus. Some people think Darnold goes first. Some people think Allen goes first. Some people think Mayfield goes first. Some people think Rosen goes first. The only guy who isn't getting that buzz about going first is Lamar Jackson. Maybe he'll go first after all. So 
it's intriguing. The Broncos are doing what they're doing, and we're careening toward the first night of the draft, and we really don't know what anybody's going to do, and that makes the first night of the draft even more exciting. Fourth down. We're flying through this today. Or it just seems like it's going quickly because I had myself so worked up about that WEEI thing. I saw this one, and I had to make sure it wasn't April 1 timestamp. TMZ, which does a good job gathering court records, legal stuff. TMZ has an item about Drew Brees suing a jeweler in San Diego for over $9 million because Brees has bought from this guy $15 million worth of jewelry, and Brees had it all independently appraised, and collectively it's worth $9 million less than the guy told him it was worth. And I've never heard of a lawsuit like this. I've never heard of jewelry as an investment. I know people buy gold, but that's different than saying, hey, I'm buying this, this really expensive ring, this really unique expensive ring, and it's an investment you can wear. I, I don't know. Maybe you got to have so many millions just laying around that you end up doing it. And, and Drew Brees can spend his money however he wants, like any other player. I think that he's not going to get the kind of criticism that a guy would get right out of the gates when he gets his first contract and he goes out and spends millions on jewelry. That guy's going to get a lot more criticism than Brees will, in part because, I mean, Brees got so much money. But you want to spend $15 million on jewelry, you still got millions, 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 millions left. And I think Breeze has some other investments going. But I, I've never, and I, I look, I'm probably the one who's in the wrong here. I mean, I'm not in a position where I can be bang, making multi-million dollar jewelry purchase, purchases, so I'm not aware that that's a thing as an investment. It just doesn't seem like the kind of thing you would invest in. It doesn't seem like the kind of thing that's going to give you the return. That, you know, if you have that kind of money, if you got $15 million, you can invest in something. I don't think jewelry is going to be high on the list. I think you'd probably go with something a little safer. It's got a more predictable yield than jewelry, especially because of the markup. And, and that's where this all boils down to. And, and look, I, I have a feeling there's a lot more to this than meets the eye. And we'll learn about it as the lawsuit develops. But the idea that Breeze just paid whatever the guy said the stuff was worth, and then at some point well after the fact, he gets it independently appraised. It dawns on him, hey, I should get this stuff appraised. I think you get it appraised when you buy it. Why would you ever trust what a jeweler tells you something is worth? I remember about a year after Jill and I got married, she had a tennis bracelet that my mom gave her, and my mom had just died, and I was looking for something to get Jill, and there was a necklace that matched it. And it was 90% off. 90%. Wow, what a bargain. What a steal. And and the person at the jewelry store was like, well, what do you think of this? This is one heck of a bargain. It's like, well, what it tells me is I'm never buying anything at the regular retail price ever again at any jewelry store. The mock-up is obscene. And there's a lot of other places that do the same thing. Oh, I don't know, like colleges. Anybody ever pay full price for college. Didn't we talk about this yesterday? May have talked about it on PFT Live today on the NCAA crap. I'm not in the mood to go down that rabbit hole today. The Mark Emmert stuff about how if they pay basketball and football players have to get rid of other sports. I may write something about that later on. My point is I don't know why you would trust any jewel 
jeweler. Jeweler. Why would you trust any jeweler to tell you what something is worth when it's ridiculously overpriced? You get it appraised before you buy it. But again, I have a feeling there's more to it because this is so out of character for Drew Brees. It's odd. When you got so much money that you're spending $15 million on jewelry, I, I, I just, I, I was astounded by this. And I'm going to be fascinated to see how it all plays out. And God, I can only hope that TMZ isn't, this isn't some bit that TMZ has launched that I wasn't aware of. Maybe my sense of humor is so warped at this point due to advancing age that I don't know what the hell is and isn't funny anymore. Maybe an April Fool's Day gag is even funnier when you do it two days after April Fool's because nobody sees it coming on the 3rd. Maybe maybe April Fool's Day has migrated two days because it's funny to get everybody when it's two days later. God, I hope that's not the case. Wednesday, April 4th will not be April Fool's Day for the Titans. They'll be unveiling their new jerseys. And apparently someone got a jersey and put a picture of it online. And look, that's one of the risks, one of the foreseeable risks of hyping for weeks the fact that you're going to unveil your jerseys. And they've had social media stuff they've done. The owner of the team, Amy Adams Strunk, went into a room and and gave a box that had the jersey in it to one of the Titans offensive linemen. And he opened it up, and it was kind of a, and, and I don't think it was intentional, but it was kind of a of a Raiders of the Lost Ark pool. And it's, oh, look, in the, it's so beautiful. You know, and they've been, they've been having fun with that. They've been teasing it. Well, you know what? When you tease... Something that is already tangibly in existence, you are creating an incentive for someone to be a smart ass and blow the fun, spoil it. And based upon the picture, it it looks like it looks like the uh, the photo comes from somebody who who actually had access to the thing. That it's from somebody who was in position to, um, you know, take a photograph of the story, of the photo, of the jersey. Like it looks like it's at a retail establishment. And that's part of this game too. You want to tease the release. You want to time the release so that when you do pull the sheet off of the new jersey or however you go about unveiling a jersey, what you do is just slap it on one of the players in full uniform and they come out and prance around in the new uniform. You want people to be able to rush out and buy it. Well, that means there must be supply, which means people are going to see it. Do you really think that no one is going to give into the temptation to take a picture, especially when you're making a big deal about teasing it over and over again? Of course they are. What amazes me about this is that the NFL is actually spending resources and time to investigate this Jersey leak. Really? Y'all care about it that much? You're investigating this? Somebody going to get fired? Somebody at a Titans team shop or somebody at Dick's Sporting Goods going to get in trouble over this? Give me a break. I mean, what do you expect people to do? People routinely give in to their nature, and it's human nature to share secrets. And when people are making a big deal about a secret and teasing it, and there it is. There's the jersey. In this day and age, what the hell do you expect people to do? I mean, they should be glad we're talking about 
the Titans' new jerseys. I mean, it's not like it's some stunning new design that is going to revolutionize football. It's the latest Nikeification of the NFL. And as long as Nike has the contract, you know what's going to happen. Teams are going to change their jerseys. They're going to be pressured to change their uniforms. Change this, change that, change, change, change. Forget about the classic designs. Change, change, change. You need new uniforms. Why? Because you make more money if you sell the new uniforms. Who cares about the suckers that have plunked down their hard-earned money for the old uniforms? And then when, you know, are they as transparent as they really should be about when they're changing their uniforms? At least the Browns have made it known that they may be changing theirs a year or two from now. That means don't waste your money buying a Browns jersey unless you want something that's outdated. Of course, with the Browns, who would you buy a jersey of at this point? Really, what would you do? I would just get like one common number and make new nameplates from time to time. 24, 21, 12, 32, I don't know. All right, boy, that was a quick five down territory. Well, that was a half hour. Let's answer some of your questions and wrap this thing up. Let's see what questions you have. I am salty today, though. I'm still feeling salty about that WEEI thing. I think they know I'm pissed. I don't think they care. But but they, they, I think they know. Again, I don't think they care. I mean, when I piss somebody off, I don't care. But they, they should care. They should feel bad because they know they know that, that this isn't funny. And they know that that other people who are trying to inform the audience as to the reports that are out there and an effort to do them a favor that they're putting those people in a bad spot. All right. <laughs> what the hell? Uh, all right. Yeah. You know, some of these questions, I mean, if you want to be funny and I guess this, this, uh, is kind of, you know, the whole WEI thing. If you want to be funny, I mean, yeah, funny is not easy. I've learned that the hard way over the years. Ned's feed has a couple of questions that, that aren't really all that funny. They're kind of fun. They're amusing. Team ever consider using the victory formation in the first half to trick the other team into leaving early and forfeiting? That's a little funny. This one's not funny. Since wind elements affect the coin toss a lot, will the league ever switch to a good rock, paper, scissors approach that requires more player skill? Yeah, that's not funny. At Terry Gensler 14, would Chris Sims fail a live... A PFT live random drug test. Uh, Probably. Sims was on a Bleacher Report podcast, and he admitted that he lost four game checks for a failed drug test when he was playing for the Buccaneers. It was funny. Last week, we had somebody on PFT live in Orlando who knows Sims. Sims has been with a bunch of teams and worked with the Patriots. He knows a bunch of people in the NFL, has worked with them, and has relationships. He's the kind of guy that if you work with him, you end up being friendly with him because he's got a great kind of gregarious, funny personality. And... The, the person who was on the show who will remain nameless said, hey, what happened to Sims? I said, oh, he, he failed a drug test and we sent him home. And and I didn't know how the person was going to react. And he's like, I believe that one. So. At Reverend Markworth, where's the podcast for this morning's PFT Live? It should be posted by now. Are you telling me it wasn't posted by now? I got I to gotta text stats. Has it been posted yet? Has it been posted? People are asking questions. About it. About it, period. All right, stats. Get some answers from stats. What else? People having some fun. People who don't understand how the WEEI thing works, trying to have some fun. That's okay. Have your fun. Caustic and JD. That's okay. I can take it. More questions about the podcast. 
Terry Gensler 14 wants to know if I ever eaten into Sheets. Yes, there's Sheets everywhere here in West Virginia. It's like a high-end convenience store, and their food is good. They have good salads, of all things. They have good made-to-order food at Sheets. This is a commercial for Sheets. Hey, Sheets, you want to sponsor the PFT PM podcast? I go to Sheets all the time. I live on the other side of town now, so I'm a little farther from the Sheets than I used to be. I used to live right close to the Sheets. I used to go to the Sheets all the time. Go to the Sheets in the morning to get coffee. Go to the Sheets to get a snack. Go to the Sheets to get lunch. I eat at Sheets all the time. At Recliner QB on a pod, on a Cowboys podcast, a high-level member of the Cowboys, Todd Williams, briefly discussed what happened when they made the new helmet-lowering rule and the medical staff they showed, the medical stuff they showed to get them to implement. I'm going to have to look into this. I'll take a look at this. If Assuming this is true, I'm going to have to question whether anything anyone telling me is uh, telling me is true anymore. I, I want to know what was said to the owners to get them to give the league office this blank check where they've made this broad rule change and the league office can do whatever it wants. What did they do to scare them? So I'm going to have to check out this Cowboys podcast and see if there's anything to this. Thank you, Recliner QB, if you're telling me the truth. If you're not, something else you, Recliner QB. At PTIP83, would you rather trade for Gronk or OBJ, all things considered? Well, hmm. you have to pay OBJ a ton of money. I'd say Odell Beckham Jr. at this point in his career would have a greater impact on your offense than Gronk because Gronk's getting close to 30, and who knows how long he's committed to playing. Beckham is motivated to be one of the best ever, so I think he's going to play for several more years at a minimum. So all things equal, I'd go Beckham, but you're going to have to pay Beckham a lot more than you're going to have to pay Gronk. At Recliner QB, since you made your fondness for Harry Potter known on Monday's PFT Live, what other hidden loves do you have besides the barn, brown liquor, cigars, etc., Star Wars, Star Trek? Look, I, I, I'm not a Harry Potter fan. I just happen to know what the sorting hat is. And how in the hell does Chris Sims not know what the sorting hat is? He claims he's seen multiple of movies. Well, if if he did, he wasn't paying close attention. Who... Who doesn't know what the sorting hat is? The device that determines what house you go into in Harry Potter. It's inescapable if you have lived in the United States at any point in the last generation. So, I don't, I don't, so I, I reject the premise of the question. I do not have any fondness for Harry Potter. I don't like the movies. I've seen some of them when my kid was young enough to go to the movies, and I really didn't enjoy them. I I have read a few of the books. Not all of them, but I've I've read a few. I'll admit to that. There may be a few of the books on the shelf in the library, but only to take up space. Right next to all the Lego... uh, What do you call it? Is it a Lego kit? Is it a Lego set? We've rediscovered Legos. I put something about that on Instagram the other day, and... And I know it's lame. I enjoy it just enough to tolerate the lameness of it. Because it, it's lame. They, they, don't, they never look great. Because they're all, you know, they're, they're squared off. And they try too hard to make things look, you know, real. But I, I did it at the U.S. Capitol. And it's, it's on the shelf in the library. And I'm, I'm, I walk by it every once in a while. And it's like, yeah, I made that thing. Yeah. You got a problem with it? I made it. It's not all that hard. The hardest part is finding the right pieces at the right time. 
You got to dig through those bags. But there's something satisfying about that. When you when you when you pop that piece in and it kind of chunks in, you get that feeling where it just fits just right. And then you're done and it's done. It's discreet. It's simple. It's one step after another. And when you're done, you're done. I like that. So if Lego or Sheet like to sponsor the PFTPM podcast, feel free. At the Laughing Man 5, would putting a camera on the referees to show their point of view help the replay review process? You could give them protective glass with a camera in the bridge and kill two birds with one stone. That, that, that's not going to help. They, they got enough cameras blanketing the field. The pylon cameras, when they first started with those, I had somebody in the business tell me they'll never work. It'll never capture a great view. And it captures great. It's great. It, the pylon camera is great. And I understand that if you otherwise are doing a great job of using your cameras, you don't need that. But man, you get some great shots. Even if it's like once a weekend for all the times it's used. And it can't be that expensive. You, you get some compelling images. Very limited. Very random. Right place, right time. But the place is there. The opportunity from time to time to capture a great image as you are in that corner of the field of play, it's going to be there. So yeah, you got to be there at the right time. Well, you got to have a you got to have a camera there if you're going to catch it at the right place at the right time. I, I like the pylon camera. At Don Rodenauer, will Bortles take another step forward or two steps back? I I, I I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure that people believe he actually took a step forward last year. I think that. There are people who believe that his success happened in spite of his skills and because he had a great team around him. But the Jaguars decided to stick with what they had because they opted for certainty. Three-year deal. They still could draft Lamar Jackson if he's on the board at 29. I think that would be perfect. Lamar Jackson playing for Jacksonville. Great marketing angle. Although, you know, the whole football thing should take precedence. But they have this year and next year to consider an upgrade via the draft. And look, if, if they loved Bortles, it would have been a five-year deal. Then again, the Vikings did a three-year deal with Kirk Cousins. Nobody's saying the Vikings may be looking to draft a quarterback, but it's different. Cousins is making $10 million a year more than Bortles. And Bortles still feels like that bridge to something. They don't know what yet, but he feels like a bridge to something. At Nikolai 21, what should the Teeler, uh, who should the Steelers, let me try that again. Nikolai 21, 18, who should the Steelers take in the first round? I, they, they typically draft so low that it just, you know, best available. And I think they should skew toward defense. They added Morgan Burnett at safety, but he's a little bit older. Best defensive player available. They need inside linebacker now because of what happened to Ryan Shazier, but I'd go best defensive player available. And the Steelers from time to time will trade up to get a guy they really want. They did it with Troy Polamalu. They did it with Santonio Holmes. They'll trade up a little bit if there's a guy they really want who has trickled past the first half of the round because the Steelers, due to their consistent greatness, they are rarely drafting in the top half of the round. I, I still think it's too early to try to find your Ben Roethlisberger replacement, although Kevin Colbert last week on PFT Live suggested they'd like to have a Joe Montana, Steve Young, Brett Favre, and Rodgers type of a, of a handoff. And remember, it was the Steelers who back in 1983 had Terry Bradshaw passed on Dan Marino because they didn't want to have the awkward transition. 
Tony Dungy, who was on the coaching staff at the time, told us that on PFT Live. So I don't know if this year's the year. Roethlisberger's now talking about playing three more years. I don't think you draft a guy if Roethlisberger's thinking about three more years. But you got to be ready for when he does walk away. And I don't think Josh Dobbs is going to be the answer. At Nikolai2118, what can be done to push back against this new helmet rule? I have a feeling it is going to ruin my football season. Well, we still don't know what finally is happening with the new helmet rule. That's the key. That's the thing to remember. The specific contours will be veiled to the league May 21 to 23, the next league meetings, which are important league meetings. We're going to have most likely a new Panthers owner approved and far more important to the game. This helmet rule. We're all going to learn more about it. And I don't think they're going to be transparent with the rest of us because they haven't been already. They hid it from us. They concealed it deliberately from the media because they didn't want the benefit of our opinion. They don't care about our opinion. And that tells me they had some secret medical data that they used to scare the shit out of the owners to get them to vote 32 to nothing to go with this. To go with this open-ended blank check and who knows what the final rule will be. At Dustin Lowe Miller, Randy Gregory is working toward reinstatement. Does the NFL drug test these players who are facing a banishment during the time they are banned or just after they apply for reinstatement? No, when you're suspended, you still have to comply with the drug testing. And I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of the guys who get the, the permanent banishment that allows for reinstatement after a year, application for reinstatement after a year, I think that's why a lot of these guys just disappear. Remember Justin Blackman? I mean, if you can't stay clean while you're playing, if you're suspended for at least a year and you've got a problem that has caused you to consistently choose some substance over football and then football loses and it's out of the picture for at least a year. I think you make the decision fairly quickly in that process that you're getting your act together. And it's also secretive that we don't know why guys don't get back in. And I also think at a certain level, the NFL takes full advantage of the exclusive power it has over reinstatement. Because it's a collective bargaining thing. Hey, players, you don't like this. Offer us some concession and we'll we'll give you some sort of more specific procedure. There's not even a deadline for when the commissioner has to make a decision. Commissioner can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. And I don't think the union would ever make a concession to change that because you're talking about a very small handful of players who are ever in that posture. At Finney End, does PFT check its email? One was sent this morning about possible plagiarism and as yet no response. Yeah, look, if you're listening to this, it was sent to NBC Sports Radio. And sometimes I think those make it to me when they come in. And I, 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 I read what you sent, and it's not something that's, that's interesting to me. It's, it's just not something I'm going to take the time to investigate at this point. So I, there's your answer. So, yes, I do. And I don't respond to every email. I, I mean, you, you know, with, I appreciate people giving us input, but I, I, it's, this isn't a correspondence class. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not, I thank you for your input. I just don't have time to do it. I appreciate when people send emails, but I don't have time to respond to every single email, just like I don't have time to respond to every single, you know, uh, mention on Twitter where people ask a question. I, I can't, I can't respond to every single one of them. At C. Scarpaglia, why don't you go on Kirk and Callahan tomorrow? I assume if you're listening now, you you heard the initial rant about the WEEI shenanigans, and they asked me to come on tomorrow, and I, I just declined. I, I, nothing will be gained 
by me going on there. It'll be good radio for them. That's why they want me to do it. They want me to go yell at, at their guys, and they want to be able to yell at me. And then when I hang up, they want to be able to talk about me when I'm not in a position to defend myself, and I'm just not going to do it. So go ahead and talk about me. Make fun. Have your fun. I don't care. I've said my piece, and now here I am saying it again, but the first five, ten minutes of today's podcast should address the situation and hopefully distinguish once and for all the difference between having some private source dupe you and media outlets creating false, deliberately false information that others in the media will see and repeat. Well, no more, at least as it relates to WEEI. At Valley Man 12, Michael Scott or Jerry Seinfeld. Man, that's a, that's a tough one. That really is a tough one. Michael Scott. Yeah. Yeah. Michael, because listen, Steve Carell as Michael Scott is brilliant. Jerry Seinfeld as Jerry Seinfeld is Jerry Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld is the least skilled actor in that show. Go back and watch it. I have over and over again. The other three are much better actors. Jerry Seinfeld was just being Jerry Seinfeld. Steve Carell is genius. To create that awkwardness deliberately, it's genius. Absolutely. Especially the early years. After hmm, after the wedding, it starts to dip. After Pam has their baby, it really starts to dip. After Michael leave, that show's worthless to me. I'm, I'm actually going through just kind of watching it. It's like background noise while I work now on Netflix. They're all on Netflix. Netflix is great. There's so much stuff there, and you can just watch whatever you want whenever you want. It's great. Welcome to 2010. I don't know when it became a streaming service versus a DVD service because it used to be they would just send you DVDs. And whenever they converted to a, a streaming service, I mean, that's, it's a game changer. It's great. Hey, Netflix, Netflix, Sheets, and Lego. Let's get some PFTPM sponsors. At Darren M. Ova, do you believe the Rob Gronkowski trade rumors? If so, which teams do you think would have interest in the Gronk? Well, I mean, the Rams because they're interested in everybody. If they don't get Odell Beckham Jr., then get Gronk. The 49ers, they have that pipeline to New England by virtue of the Jimmy Garoppolo trade. Here's what I think could happen. I've said this several times on PFT Live, but let me just summarize quickly. I think a trade could happen, and I think if it does happen, it's going to happen out of the blue during the draft because whatever the highest pick is the Patriots get, Bill Belichick is going to want to get that pick while it's on the clock. You don't want that pick in advance because if people know you have that pick in advance— then people can plan to, to guess, speculate, whatever, as to what you may do with that pick, and then they'll try to get in front of you before you can make that pick. So it won't surprise me if this all goes quiet, and then during the first or second round of the draft, when the commissioner walks out to the podium, gets relentlessly booed, he will say there's been a trade, the Patriots now have this pick, and the next team, or the Patriots are on the clock. And then it will be announced that to get that pick, the Patriots gave up Rob Rob. Gronkowski. At Terry Gensler 14, could you see the Browns winning seven games this coming season? Look, we saw five new playoff teams in the NFC last year. Yeah, I could see it happening. The Browns were in half their games last year. That's one of the reasons I've been so hard on Hugh Jackson. And that's why I believe that Hugh Jackson, after going 0-16 last year, any coach who goes 0-16 should be disqualified permanently from ever coaching again in the NFL as a head coach. We rattled off some of the games yesterday where the Browns were within a score. And other games like the Jaguars game, 19-7, it was 12-7 late. At some point, the coach makes the difference on game day in that moment. I mean, if Bill Belichick can do it, 
all the time, it seems like. If you can't do it once in the course of a year and you can't win a game once in the course of a year, when the talent gaps between the best and the worst teams in the NFL are narrower than ever before, you shouldn't be coaching an NFL team. I think they could win seven. I think that Hugh Jackson needs six. I saw today that Mary Kay Cabot of the Cleveland Plain Dealers saying that Hugh Jackson's not on the hot seat. How in the world is he not on the hot seat? If you go 0-16 again, I mean, at some point the fans are going to say, hey, Browns, it was fun. But you know what? You can keep ramming your head into the same brick wall. We're out. And I think they're already getting toward that point. Now, they're benefiting from the excitement that comes from a new GM making moves and bringing in players. But if they go 0-16 again or 1-15 or 2-14 or 3-13 or 4-12, do you really think the fans are going to say, sure, give Hugh another year because we feel like he's really going to figure it out. He's going to go from 1-15, 0-16, 3-13 to 13-3. We can feel it coming. The dam is about to break. Yeah, Browns, go for it. Hmm. At 95, keep pounding. Has Darren Gant ever been to your West Virginia barn? He has not. The only PFT writer who's been here is MDS because he's the managing editor and he came last year for the the annual NBC PFT Summit that we do here in West Virginia. So Darren Gant has not been here to answer your question. At Terry Gensler 14, oh boy, it took a while for this one to come up. You know, I addressed it jokingly during the radio hour on PFT Live. I didn't mention it during the TV show. I I joked about it during the break, and Chris Sims was like, what are you talking about? The show's getting canceled. Here's the question from Terry Gensler 14. What is the deal with this PFT is being canceled rumor? All right. Nobody told me not to talk about this. I I didn't write about it. I don't want to make a big deal about it. But yesterday, Clay Travis, my good friend, Clay Travis reported, citing multiple sources, that NBCSN will be replacing Pro Football Talk and the Dan Patrick Show with a new morning show. Now, that's one hell of a morning show, considering that we're on for a total of five hours. That's a long-ass morning show. But I saw that, and if I guess if it wasn't Clay Travis, I would have just brushed it off. Because I just think that guy, it's just I think, uh, how, how do I put this delicately? I think he is completely inauthentic. I think he trolls his fan base. I think he manipulates his fan base. He's no different than these folks who do whichever wing you are, which, whoever you pander to, whether it's left wing or right wing. I think he, he says what he needs to say to get his base fired up. And he doesn't truly believe half of it. But he's found a way to occupy a lane that allows him to, to, to bang that drum in an effort to, to own a segment of the base. And who cares if everybody else hates him? It doesn't matter. It's not like those people are going to pay attention to him anyway. So, hey, great business move. But I, I don't like people who are grossly inauthentic. I think that you have to be who you are. Otherwise, you're a liar. So, anyway, because it was him, I... I It didn't take many phone calls or emails for me to get to the bottom of it, and it's just not true. And there are things happening that make it even less likely to be true. We are a, a very affordable operation. We're in a time slot that, I don't know, it's hard to, how do you really 
generate gigantic ratings in that time slot. It's not like anybody expects huge numbers. And we create content that can be used in multiple platforms. We've got radio, we've got TV. Those clips then become video segments that are used at PFT and NBCSports.com, and those clips end up generating revenue, and people watch those clips, and you put the full the full range of the audience together, radio, TV, and, and video clips, and there's a lot of people who are watching the show. So the, the show's going nowhere. It's just flat out wrong. It's hashtag fake news. And, I, you know, I wasn't going to write anything about it. I don't, I don't want to give any legitimacy to this bozo who, just because he has multiple sources, oh, it must be right. Well, you know what? If you have multiple sources and they're all wrong, then maybe you got to go back and and check your sources. Maybe you shouldn't be relying upon WEEI. <laughs> At Sea Crawl, most under the radar team looking for a quarterback. Baltimore, Cincinnati, Saints, Patriots, Dolphins. Well, the Dolphins continue to insist that they're all in with Ryan Tannehill, but they're kicking the tires on quarterbacks, including Baker Mayfield. The Patriots, we all know that they're looking for someone to eventually replace Tom Brady. The Saints have to be thinking about someone to replace Drew Brees. Baltimore. They're not under the radar. They're talking about it. I guess the, same, the the Bengals would be the one. I don't know why the Bengals would be looking for a quarterback. They've got Andy Dalton for three more years under a contract that is now back of the pack, not even middle of the pack. I don't know why they'd want to move on from him, given what they they uh, they will be spending to keep this guy for the next three years. At I am Big Rob 44, Giants aren't trading Odell. Make sure you guys say it a million times. Okay. Giants aren't trading Odell Beckham Jr. You want me to keep saying it? I'll keep saying it. I I still think they may. The moment for me was when there was a report last week from ESPN that the Giants want two first-round picks. When the Giants did not shout fake news at that point, when they did not say, you're crazy, we're not trading Odell Beckham Jr., that's when I knew that he possibly is going to be traded, and I don't think they're going to be inclined to do a long-term deal with Odell Beckham Jr. until they have completely exhausted any and all trade possibilities at Alex Dunlap NFL. When you say you're down at the barn, is it a literal barn? Yes, it's a barn. It is a barn that was on the property when we bought the house four years ago. And actually we used to live over on an adjoining piece of land that was pressed up against several of these fields that we can see out of our back window. And we used to be able to look out the back window of our house and see these fields. And there was this barn that we always used to like. It was just a night. It looks good in the background. Well, that's the barn that we now own. I, I, it's not really full circle. It's just a weird thing that happened. And I didn't even know that there was a house here. There was a house here that, that, you know, the barn is down behind it. Somebody bought the house that was here, tore it down, built a new house. And when we were looking for a house four years ago, we tripped across this place and came up. And it was that one moment in your life where you walk through the door and it's like, I got to have this place. And the barn was uh, a barn that was falling apart. Water was coming in. There were holes in the roof. There were horse stalls with a dirt floor. And my nephew said to me a couple of years ago in the summer, it'll be three years ago this summer, hey, I'm going to tear out those horse stalls. I'm going to put a gravel floor down there. I have a pool table that, that doesn't fit in this house. And it was basically in storage out in our garage. We're going to put that pool table down there, and then we'll have a place where in the wintertime, instead of sitting out on the patio and freezing our asses off, if we want to smoke a cigar on a Friday night and have a drink, we can go down there and, and shoot pool on the gravel floor and, uh, you know, get a space heater or something. And, uh, you know, we got a place where we can smoke cigars without freezing because you can't smoke in the house, obviously. So I said, fine, do whatever you want to do. And if you want to do that, that's fine. It, it doesn't matter. I, I, I had been down to that barn like twice 
since we had bought the house because there's bats and there's bees and it's just it just was there was no, no reason to go down there it was storage so one thing leads to another and the moment came i'm sure this is very fascinating for all of you the, the moment came when we had some dead trees that needed to be cut down my brother-in-law my nephew's father said well the guy who's doing the work to cut the trees down he's actually got a mill He's going to bring the mill, and we're going to mill that wood into lumber that can be used, like, on the floor and elsewhere down in the barn. It's like, all right, you guys want to do it? Go ahead, do it. And very gradually, I have no idea what it costs to do this renovation because it happened, like, one little step at a time. The next thing you know, it's great. It's, I mean, I want to go down there every chance I can get. We got four TVs down there. We have a shuffle bowling alley. We have a bar. We've got an area where you can sit and eat your food. We got a poker table with a nice little PFT logo on it. We got a pool that pool table. I had it refelted, resurfaced, fixed up. It's in another room. It's it's just cedar beams. It's it, a great humidor that that my nephew made. That we we have chock full of cigars and uh, at least once a week we go hang out down there and watch. Whatever's on, and the Stanley Cup playoffs are coming soon, and we'll be down there watching the Penguins games for as long as they're in it. And when they're out of it, if they are out of it, then we'll watch the other games down there because any sporting event is an excuse to go down there and hang out. And uh, yes, it is a barn, and and it's not some. It was a crappy barn that you wouldn't want to hang out in, but now it's uh, it's uh, as as Frank Costanza would call it, the place to be. Uh, let's see what else we got. I should probably wrap this thing up. It's been almost an hour. One more question from Stephen A. Wait, no, 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 no. This is from Mike Scout 102486. And this is to emphasize the point one more time, because he's asking, why didn't you verify the Gronk story from WEEI before posting an article on your own, on your own website? Where's the accountability on your end? Again, here's the point. This is a media outlet that is putting something out there that is purporting itself in that isolated tweet to be true. Now, I've learned to never trust anything WEEI says going forward. But when it's a media outlet that you do have some degree of trust in, and we've we've reported things in the past, not reported, we've passed along reports from WEEI in the past. That's very different. Trust me, I, I'm not happy that this happened. And sh- what, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. This is fool me once territory from WEEI. This is a media outlet. This isn't somebody that grifted me like Ron Borges got fooled by somebody who pretended to be Don Yee and he was too stupid to realize that he was being grifted. So zealous to break the story that he, that he ignored obvious errors. This was a one standalone tweet that others were picking up. And it's like, hey, this looks plausible. It's WEEI. We have a good relationship with them. We've posted on things in the past that they've reported. We went with it. So that's that's where it came from. And uh, it's it's on WEEI. I'm not happy with WEEI. They know it. I don't know that they care. And they can give me all the shit they want on air or elsewhere. I don't care. I'm not going to trust anything that they ever say again. And they can call me and they can text me. And even if I even if they are reporting something. The only, I, I would I would pass it along with the caveat that these are the bozos who think it's funny to put out deliberately false information. They think that's funny. They think that's a bit. I don't. All right. That's that. Uh, thanks for your time. We'll be back on PFT Live on Wednesday morning. Sims will be back on Thursday. Profootballtalk.com, around the clock, getting you ready for the draft and anything else that may come up between now and then. Have a great day. 
You can find the PFTPM podcast on Art19, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you like what you hear, and you will, subscribe for automatic downloads. Leave a rating and review. That'll help new listeners find our show and push us up the charts. Search PFTPM for your evening update from Pro Football Talk. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.